fans, we've got another episode for you, summarizing a one and two week with all the away games. It's Aaron here. Ben, how are you doing? Doing okay, all things considered. It's been a tough stretch for the Raptors, but, you know, hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, so let's quickly recap the games that happened this week. Let's uh, start with the most recent one. So we're recording this on a Saturday morning right after the Raptors absolutely decimated a... I don't know what to call the Kings here. Hapless, disappointing. Just call them the Kings. It's the Kings. <laughs> they, they don't deserve to be called the Kings. They're Kings yeah. of nothing. The Raptors beat them uh, 108-89. Uh, very, very poor uh, three-point shooting performance here by the Kings. I, I think the game should have been a little bit closer if the shooting was was even, but they just got, they got beat through effort and physicality. The Raptors just, I don't know, swallowed them up. They looked like they were engaged and the Kings weren't. Something's wrong there. And uh, I don't know. What, what do you think it has been? Yeah, I was pretty concerned with the way this game started. The Raptors got off to a very slow start and had four turnovers in the first five minutes. And it was just like, oh boy, here we go. This is going to be ugly. Um, but then they bounced back and the Kings just never really responded to the Raptors bouncing back. It felt like the Raptors got a few turnovers that probably were fouls of like them stripping the Kings. And then they would just run out in transition and the Kings just would give up and they'd be like, there was a foul and they just stopped playing. And I was like, okay, well this is, this is the Raptors game plan. Like this is all we can do to score. And so if you're not going <laughs> to answer this, like I guess we just win. I thought one of the things that stood out was the Raptors got to the rim quite easily this game and given their lack of spacing that should be tough but pascal got it to the free throw line a lot he had probably his best game back uh he, oh by he, far part of it is also the kings have no one to guard him right so yeah but i i thought he, the shots he was taking like his jumper was falling today and yep. it hasn't been falling up really up to this point and so like he was hitting he hit a couple of threes he was hitting some turnaround fadeaway jumpers like those are shots I think the Kings are fine with giving Siakam because he hasn't yeah. proven he can do that regularly. It just happened they went in today. Yeah, but he did get 10 free throw attempts. So yeah, that, yeah. that's so super was, positive. He definitely got rolling and kind of became unstoppable for the Kings for sure. Yeah, the uh, I don't know. The, the Kings just had no hustle. They had no game. It looked like they weren't really prepared for the Raptors' pressure, which for the last two weeks it seems like every team the raptors have played has been prepared for the raptors random doubling and the pressure but the kings didn't seem like they're ready for it and i wonder if that was just a coaching thing or if it's just a lot of young players not knowing not seeing this type of defense very regularly well yeah i think there's this kind of <laughs> there's this raptors defensive strategy it works against bad teams that don't have good ball movement and the kings are certainly a team that doesn't have a ton of high IQ guys. Like their big men aren't known for being good passers. And outside of De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton, none of the other guys really want to move the ball around. And so the other teams, like the night, bef night before against Utah, they just obliterated the Raptors defense. And we'll talk about that in a sec. But it's like this pressure can work when when players don't, when other teams don't have good ball movement. And we saw that against the Kings, but I have concerns about our defense. <laughs> I don't yeah. think this is a sustainable strategy we have going on. I, I couldn't agree more. And the, the Kings in this game shot nine of 37 from three, less than 25%. And a lot of those were completely wide open. Buddy Heald started 0 of six from three. 
you know, yeah. that's why I was saying is that the score should have been closer than this, but mm-hmm. it was still, I don't know. The, the Kings just didn't play like a professional basketball team should. So, yeah. Yeah. They got down 30 at one point and it was, it didn't even feel like the Raptors were playing that well. It was just like, okay, the Kings just yeah. are giving the ball away. They're playing sloppy. Yeah. They just were not locked in. They'd have people driving into the paint and just try and take a layup against three defenders. And it's like, okay, if there's three defenders on you, that means someone's open, but they're just focused on the play that they wanted to do. A lot of them looked like precious at you out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a compliment. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's jump into the Utah jazz game or the jazz beat the Raptors 119, 103. And that was, that was just a drubbing. But one thing I want to talk about here is OG Ananobi missed this game. He missed the Kings game. He has a hip pointer, which is a, a bruise to the hip bone and the, and the front of it. And apparently that's quite a nasty injury and he's out indefinitely. So, you know, at least, at least a couple of weeks. Uh, and it really showed against Utah where the Raptors just didn't have the spacing when, <laughs> when they're playing Scotty Barnes and Kem Birch and Pascal Siakam. That's basically, you know, like as good as Pascal shot the ball against the Kings, teams don't respect him and they give him as many open threes as he wants. So you have two shooters out there against Utah and it was just, it was a slog. Yeah. Yeah, Siakam shot 2 of 14 that game, had four points. Just a miserable outing from him. But it's really problematic for the Raptors to have OG, who's been their top scorer so far this year, out of the lineup because offense is just so hard to come by for this team. And you're talking about these spacing issues. It's it's in the starting lineup, but then it's also with the bench as well. Like, Svi Mihalik is really the only guy coming off the bench that has demonstrated any level of shooting like you have Banton and like Boucher. Boucher is having a horrible shooting start to the year and just a horrible start in general. And then Precious was out of the lineup for the Utah game. But I mean, we saw this in the, the Kings game as well. Like Precious and Boucher come in and it's it's like the opposite of the Splash Brothers. They need their own brothers, but it's just like the Brick Brothers, maybe. The I don't Clank know. Like, brothers. <laughs> yeah, like. And just when I see them come into the game, I'm just like, oh boy, this is not not a good sign. I'm not excited for this bench mob. And Malachi Flynn has really struggled as well in the minutes that he's gotten too. I thought every now and then he'll make a good play, and but the shooting has been very inconsistent. I feel like he's taking the right shots if he was a good shooter. He just hasn't actually demonstrated that he is a good shooter yet and so maybe they're not good shots Um, but if he isn't a good shooter then I don't know what he provides to this team because he hasn't really been able to create a lot and he looks a little uncomfortable so yeah Yeah, he just looks a little uncomfortable out there and like hasn't really gotten into the flow yet I think I think he's a player that with spacing around him right now the dribble penetration is hard because there's always going to be help and he's he's quick enough to get by guys but right now there's not really a point to it and He's mm-hmm. people can guard him really tightly, which means it's hard for him to get a shot off, which, you know, yeah. if you're not a great shooter, then everything's just harder. And, you know, when you're one of those fringe guys in the NBA, that's usually what it's like. And when you're on a when you're on a bench unit that uh, that can't have any spacing or scoring, it's it's tough for everyone. Yeah, 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 it's true. I think a lot of these players will look better on better teams with other like they're all like complimentary guys but there's no one to compliment exactly uh and so it's a bit of a problem right now yeah Yeah. the one the lone bright spot 
Actually, there were two bright spots against Utah. Gary Trent shot 12 of 18, had 31 points. You know, he he was the only offensive guy that that looked. I mean, a lot of the shots he was taking were tough, but you know, they were they were going in, so he was at least providing some offense. And mm-hmm. then one sneaky little thing, other bright spot, Ken Birch was you know doing a good Rashawn Holmes impression with all the you know the mid lane floaters and jumpers and stuff, and they, they were going in. He was six of eight, and against Gobert, like that's on the pick and roll, that's that's a good shot to get, and that that was working. But that was about it. Yeah. I've Ken Birch has been really good at sneaking into open space around the basket and making himself available because the the Raptors slashers desperately need that. They need someone to like dump the ball off to because they can't finish around the rim super well. And so Ken Birch has been excellent at that. Um, yeah, and I totally agree on Gary Trent. I think he's the one player with OG out that's really coming into his own of like having more confidence in his shot and his jumper is falling right now. Uh, I think he's taking a lot of shots that are maybe a little bit more difficult than I'd like him to take normally. But given how poor the Raptors offense is, they just need him to shoot. And he's by far their best shooter at the moment. Yep. Uh, I thought Utah didn't even play very well. They, if they had played better, they could have won by 30 or 40, I thought. But, you know, Mike Conley and, and Gobert were both like, I think plus 30 for the, <laughs> for this game. It was it was. When Gobert was out, yeah. the, the Raptors weren't getting anything in the paint. This this was a game where like I thought it was like a perfect example of how bad the Raptors' defense is right now. Of like I think for Nick Nurse's strategy on defense to work, all the Raptors kind of need to the five man unit needs to be on a string and they're all like moving in like in sync with each other and that is not happening at all these double teams that they're doing are coming out of nowhere and a lot of the time it's it's just like not even effective in stopping anything it's just like you have donovan mitchell just dump the ball off and then all of a sudden there's a royce o'neill sitting in the corner for a wide open three and it's like this is on like the strong side it's not even swinging all the way around the court it's just like right on the side of the play and it's like, how is this good defense? It's just this is not effective. Yeah, it's it feels giving... like the Raptors are doing it because they want to be in rotation and create chaos. And, you know, that kind of makes sense because they aren't very good guarding one on one on the perimeter. A lot of their guys just get blown by right away. But it's also yeah. like then you're playing a lot of four on three against NBA vets and professional teams that are scouting you and they know exactly what's coming and they're gonna they're gonna light you up the 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 Jazz got tons of wide open threes, and they're they're willing to take them. Other teams might might pass out of some of them, but they have great shooters, and they didn't even shoot well, and they destroyed the Raptors. Yeah, but like, there's just always almost almost always a blown ro- rotation for the Raptors players that mm-hmm. someone misses the move, the help, and it just leaves someone wide open, and it's like you can't play this aggressively if you don't have the basics down and so i i know we talked about this a lot last week and i think you're totally right that the raptors need to dial back the aggression on this scheme because against good teams they're just going to get run off the floor so the last or i guess the first game of the week not the last one the raptors lost 118 to 113 against the portland trailblazers this might have been the most entertaining game of the year so far for the raptors the blazers and the raptors both played extremely well they're both hitting shots 
everyone was was pretty locked in i think og started the game six of six from three uh and you know, uh, I know Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard has struggled to start the year, but he he was playing really well. CJ McCollum was playing really well. It was it was an offensive game, and that the Blazers were playing well, and the Blazers kind of suffer on defense. But the Raptors they, they played all right on defense, and the Raptors played really well on offense. But it just looked in the end like the Blazers had more talent and were and were the better team and, and fully deserved the win. But uh, it was it was great to see a, a well played game from from two teams. Yeah, I feel like CJ always plays well against the Raptors. He's got so many little tricks in his bag. He's such a fun player to watch. His like dribble moves and crossovers and footwork. He's just like <laughs> the small, not super athletic player, but he's just figured out how to make a successful NBA career and score. He's just it's just such a he's such a talented player. Yeah. And uh if you want to talk about uh this is the theme that's I think going to come up is Nick Nurse is is kind of Tom Thibodeau 2.0 in terms of the minutes. <laughs> the entire Raptors starting lineup in this game, which was, uh, I mean, Precious of Zoe and Kembridge came off the bench. So it was, it was Pascal, Scotty, Gary, Trent, Freddie, and OG. They all played at least 39 minutes in this game, and which means that it was, it was pretty much a playoff rotation. And uh, it, was, it was a super close game, so it made sense. But... Uh, yeah, they uh, they still lost, but you know, I think I think the Blazers that they're playing well are more talented, so it, it's not too bad of a loss. I guess this is another factor potentially for our defensive scheme is that is it sustainable to play such aggressive defense when you're playing your players so many minutes? Like, well, it's not just so many minutes. I think Fred VanVleet and OG led the league in distance traveled. With, yeah. With OG leading the league in distance traveled on defense and Freddie leading the league on distance traveled on offense. So Yeah. It's yeah. just like there's such a high demand on your players. And I, and I guess I get where Nick Nurse is coming from because the bench has performed so poorly so far this year that if you're trying to win games, it's tough to justify giving any of the players on the bench with the exception of Kem Birch, who is starting like half the games now, more minutes. And so it's just like you're you're just in this pickle where this like the current rotation isn't sustainable and you need to find opportunities for other guys and let them prove themselves. But I also kind of don't really believe that we have a player that really deserves more minutes and is really just missing an opportunity to let themselves shine. I mean, maybe Goran Dragic like could get more minutes, but I think there's non-basketball reasons why he's not playing. And so that's, that's kind of the only one that sticks out to me is like, okay, this guy could probably contribute a little bit more, but the other guys, it's like, if you put in Malachi Flynn over Fred Van Vliet for five more minutes a game, your team is going to suffer. It is going to be much harder to win the basketball game. And so I kind of get why Nick Nurse is doing this. It just, I don't know, I'm concerned. (laughs) Yeah, the Raptors have lots of, I guess, role players on the bench, which they're just not getting it done because, yeah, there's just the lack of offensive creation, right? Yeah, but they're fringe role players too, Mm -hmm. where like even in the Sacramento game, 
like our bench guys, our guys coming off the bench compared to Sacramento's bench unit was just like, this is not, these are not comparable basketball players. We're playing like Banton regular minutes. He's a second round pick. Malachi Flynn is like struggling to find a place in the league. And then like Boucher and Achua. And, and then they have Davian Mitchell, Buddy Heels coming off the bench. It's like, these are actual good players <laughs> i don't know i mean mind you like they're pretty bad too they got bagley and yeah Damian but like Jones like tristan thompson's crappy. a vet who knows yeah. how to play and i think that was he was one of the first guys off the bench and then bagley did get a bunch of run this game and bagley bagley stinks his defense is so bad <laughs> he does bagley not know how to navigate it badly <laughs> yeah uh, so i don't know why they're giving him more of an opportunity but yeah i, I don't know in a, in a boat why not you know yeah i mean he started playing when it wasn't a blowout but you know so a couple of rotation points you mentioned og being out for a while which i think puts ken birch back in the starting lineup uh although with scotty and and uh pascal that's (laughs) it's scary in terms of spacing but what can you do yeah you don't have any other options like ken birch is clearly the best player out of the remaining group and he, he was super solid against sacramento he he was like every time he came on he was he was bullying rashawn holmes which it's not often that a raptor center bullies someone yeah i legitimately thought ken birch might be our best player in that game even though siakam was dominating and it was probably siakam did play better but ken birch i love what i love how he's playing right now yeah uh, so Precious Achua is back from his injury, but it looks like he's in the bench mob now, which I think is where he belongs. Uh, are you glad to see, and are you? do you think it's going to continue where Birch gets the, the bulk of the minutes and, and starting opportunities? Yeah, the disparity in their play is too big. At the start of the season, I wanted to give Achua a little bit of rope to see what he could do but he's hung himself on that rope (laughs) and like his play has just been so bad that (laughs) you can't justify playing him over Birch really at any point and so I expected to be like 30 to 30 30-ish minutes for Birch and 18 for Achua something like that maybe a bit less I don't know with with the Chua out it's it's hard to go without a center or sorry with OG out it's hard to go without a center out there so yeah yeah. And Boucher uh, shouldn't be taking any of those center minutes. He he's been bad on defense as well now the last few games. Just head scratching decisions and fouling a lot. Just it's depressing. Speaking of Boucher, a trend. A trend from two games. So big sample size. Last two games, Boucher has averaged 20 minutes a game. He hasn't really played any better, but he's gotten the minutes. And I think it's just kind of out of desperation being like, well, he's kind of he's kind of a vet and he's played well in the past. So you kind of just need to maybe give him some run to get him rolling and they don't really have any other options. So I kind of see where it's coming from, but it hasn't looked great. I think this is a lot more about Siakam coming back from injury and being a bit limited in his minutes and OG being out of the lineup. And so... Who else do you have to play the backup for? At the beginning of the year, I would have said Sam Decker. He was no and longer on the team. I know, but I thought I thought this is where he was going to come in. I thought he would have a chance to take Boucher's minutes because he is, I think, a better three-point shooter. And, you know, he has whatever he takes away from you on defense. It can't really be much worse than what Boucher does. So, yeah. But, yeah. Isaac Bonga's been 
Isak Bonga has been tearing yeah. up the G League. He might be worth a look because Boucher is not getting it done. But Watanabe is still out with a calf injury that just seems to be going on forever. I think they would love to have him back. Yeah, yeah I think he would he would OGO, getting, yeah, like he would be chances. getting a look. Yeah. So before we move on to an email and some other NBA stuff, let's talk about the Raptors' upcoming schedule. I think I jumped the gun last week and I included the Warriors in this. Too week. excited about yeah. Steph Curry. Yeah. Which but, I, I can relate to. I'm excited for this game. Yeah. So first game, the Raptors play against the Warriors uh, Sunday night, uh, continuing on this on this six-game road trip. Wednesday night, we're playing at Memphis. And then Friday night, we're playing at Indiana. So, you know, pretty, pretty tough schedule. Warriors, I think, are the top team or one of the top teams in the league right now. Memphis is... is, Memphis, I would think, put in a similar tier to the Raptors. They're certainly more talented, but... uh, but you know they're they're a solid team, five hundred ish, and then the Indiana Pacers are struggling a bit. They're six and eleven, but I still think they're solid and have just had some injury injury difficulties and some tough games go against them. So, what do you what do you think? What should we expect for this week, Ben? I'm a little nervous. I think we're gonna get torched by Golden State. They beat Detroit. This is- Golden yes, State seems so scary from a passing perspective. <laughs> yeah, and the like, way what is Steph going to do? Like, there's, I feel like it's just going to be a layup or a wide open three pointer every single possession. They legitimately play the perfect offense to crush this Raptors defense. They're so good at passing. Steph is so used to these double teams and traps, and Draymond is the perfect guy to be there to play the four on three out to perfection. It's it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to be shocked if the Raptors make this game competitive. I will be very, very impressed with them. That's assuming that Steph and Draymond play. I know they sat yesterday, but I think it was just for rest against Detroit. They felt like they could get away with that and still beat Detroit, which they managed to do. Um, but I assume they're going to be back for the Raptors game. And yeah, not optimistic about a win there. So we'll chalk that up as a loss. And then against Memphis on Wednesday, Memphis is good. Although I feel like they are a team that like maybe the Raptors can hang with for a while, depending on how they play. Uh, yeah, I think, I think similar... Durant, they don't have a ton of ball movement. Yeah, but but Jaws is just absolutely terrifying. And yeah, yeah, I think they're a similar level of teams. So that if you're looking to make the playoffs, Memphis is a team you should be competitive with. Yeah, I am no longer convinced the Raptors are going to make a playoffs. We had that one week of optimism, and now <laughs> and now the I'm injuries are setting in. The, yeah, we're just we're I think not deep. <laughs> our bench stinks. <laughs> yeah, the, our bench stinks. But I think there's also been uh, the first few weeks are a lot of adjustments for teams. A lot of players playing themselves into shape. You know, getting back mm-hmm. into the swing of things, figuring out who you are and what you need to work on, and then you also get enough sample on a team to figure out what they're trying to do. And yeah. with, I think what the Raptors are trying to do is, is super transparent to other teams. And once you're rolling and, and locked in, very easy to prepare for. And I think it's shown against, against good veteran professional teams that the Red, they just they know what's coming and, and they're prepared to, to out-execute and, and just beat up the Raptors. Right. 
So I feel like what we're talking about here is really <laughs> a coaching issue of the Raptors game plan being very similar game to game and the defense that they're throwing at other teams is it's no longer catching anyone off guard. And so do you expect Nick Nurse to change things up or do we keep rolling with this I'm kind of, of two minds. abnormal defensive strategy? I'm of two minds. If and I think this will be this will reveal a bit about the sort of the strategy the Raptors have laid out for this year in the offseason. If they continue down this road, which by all means, I think this would be justified. If this is a development year and this is how you want to play defense, there's no reason to deviate from it, even if it's not working very well, because this is what this is the system you want your guys to learn. This is the, this is how you want to evaluate your guys. You want to see who can play it and, and who can't. If that if that breaks and it leads you to having a bad defense, uh, if this is a development year, you're okay with that. Now, if they if they think they want to compete and that's the best way to develop and and you know try to get a playing game, maybe make the playoffs, then absolutely I expect more flexibility and and sort of changes in how they play defense. But so far, I think you're not really panicking yet. You're eight and nine. Uh, you've had, you know, Pascal just came back. You've, you've had some of your best players miss games. Like you're treading water. You're okay. I don't think there's a reason to, to say, oh, if this is the way we wanted to play defense all year, uh, now's the time to go away from it. But I think, you know, this, this week could be very revealing if they get killed by all three of these teams and their defense continues to look bad, then yeah, you probably go to the drawing board a bit if you, if you're trying to compete. Yeah, I, I, do wonder if there's some element of just wanting a larger sample size. We haven't even played 20 games yet this season, and it might be something they reevaluate after 25 games or 30 games or when <laughs> when they're all healthy. And because I, as I soon don't as know Yaker if they're going back, to get like OGs out of the lineup, and yeah. yeah, I don't know if they're going to get more healthy. Yeah, but also like, and this is you know the Raptors are, are pros. They have great coaching staff. They're also able to tell: is it the scheme or is it the execution, right? And yeah. well, there's definitely it, execution issues. Yeah. So so if it's just like, well, this is the way we want to play defense, and you guys need to, need to play better. You know why why change it, right? Because if you change up the scheme and everyone's lost in it, you're not gonna you're not gonna get any better results, right? For sure. For sure. But part of being a good coach is enabling your players and setting them up for success. And if the yeah. scheme is too demanding for your roster, uh, which so far it has been, and again, yeah, this is this could be a development thing, uh, then it kind of calls into question some of the coaching decisions. And uh, like Nick Nurse is widely regarded by us and lots of people around the league as one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the league. And so... I'm sure, like, I'm very confident there is a plan here. It's just from a game to game basis right now, it's tough to see the forest through the trees of blown rotations over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so, I'm curious I'm to see how this plays out over the course I'm of the season. I'm confident they will, they will make the right decision. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, part of it is also just talent, right? And it's hard to win without talent. And right now, the Raptors have a lot of young guys and, that's it's just it's tough to make that work night to night yeah no for sure so i want to do a new segment 
of MBA good, bad, and ugly. So that's that's a good thing you're noticing, a bad thing you're noticing, and an ugly thing you're noticing. And the difference between bad and ugly is ugly makes you kind of want to puke, and bad is more things just aren't going well right now. And you know, like a player just like you know, like I don't know, Bradley Beal shooting under thirty percent from three is it's like that's that's bad, but you know, it's he's he's proven it, and he's not going to be like that the whole season. Whereas ugly might be more like, I don't know, the Robert Sarver situation. <laughs> so hit me with your good, bad, and ugly, Ben. All right. I kept mine Raptors focused because I've mainly been watching the Raptors the last little while. And so my my good play, I'll start with the positive before we go too deep down the well of negativity. My good that I've really noticed in the last week, and we talked about this a little bit, was the Ken Birch floaters. His... His little mid-range game is on point. I love Ken Birch's floaters. He's rivaling LaMelo for floater game right now and <laughs> love to see it. Um, that's one, been one of the few highlights of the Raptors. <laughs> We're grasping at straws here for the good. Um, yeah. My bad for the Raptors has been their bench play. It's been putrid. And I kind of hope we... Do you think we can make a trade this season? Like, I'm already sick of this bench. Is it too early in the season to be over our bench lineups? Like, can we bring in some help here? It's a development. If it's a development <laughs> year, no. You might even trade away some guys and get worse. But but at least, yeah, like, I kind of want to see more of the end of the bench guys, like Justin Champagny. I don't even know if that's how you say his name. Champagne. Um like I, Isak Bonga, like let's get some of these G League guys in here. I'm over Boucher. I, he, his his play deserves to be in the ugly category. Now that you now you explain the categories to me, I would maybe slot this down to the ugly. But I have a separate one for the ugly. Another Raptors ugly here. Yeah, Nick Nurse challenges. His oh, challenges this one. so far this year have been head scratchingly bad. Like yeah. I don't understand what he thinks is going to happen on a lot of these where it's he'll challenge a ticky tack foul, but it's like the ref is never going to overturn this. If there's even one iota of contact, if there's any like molecules on their skin made contact, they're going to be like, yep, so that's a foul. There was contact and they're never going to overturn it. And he challenges so, these like little minute things. And it's like, this is never going to work. What's the, what's the logic here? So I thought going into this this episode that the Raptors and Nick Nurse have not won a challenge yet. But last night against the Kings, they did win their challenge. But this is this drove me bonkers last night. They challenged an and one. And so you just lose one free throw? Yeah. Like good but for it was you. Also, they still got the layout. Like, it was also a foul on Fred Van Fleet. It would have been his second in the first quarter. Yeah. But, but the replay not, actually showed yeah. that he did foul him. And so I was confused at how they overturned it because, i think like, they said it wasn't it was contact like, it, but it was like a brushing on the shoulder yeah. it wasn't wasn't near uh, the ball that and, one yeah. like watching the replay i was surprised they overturned i was surprised it. they overturned it too yeah <laughs> but it's just like they don't overturn that the yeah. net gain from this is feels so small unless you're really that concerned about fred's second foul and you don't trust him to be able to not yeah. foul out this game is just like this is miserable i don't know these challenges every time he challenges now i'm like this is just doesn't make sense like i feel like in previous seasons they'd be much more analytical in how they're challenging things and trying to like get turnover like 
Yeah, it'd be in, it feels in like high leverage situations. Yeah, when, it feels almost vindictive against the ref. Yeah, when he just he just like it feels very emotional. I'm yes. just like, oh, this ref is screwing me. Challenge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then his his classic Nick. He has some of the best expressions in the league when he doesn't get his way. Yeah, he has the the flabbergasted look is on point for Nick Nurse. Yeah, but I think it's usually an assistant coach that is responsible for yeah. challenges. They need to switch whoever's doing it because they've failed so far this season. Yeah, I agree with that. It hasn't been effective, but maybe that's part of the plan. I don't know. Secret tank. It's all waste your challenges. The, plan. Yeah. <laughs> the Raptors are so smart. Every all of this is coordinated plan. These bone yeah. rotations. This is all the tanking plan. It's, it's galaxy brain. Yeah, we can't fathom how smart they are. <laughs> yeah. So I want to get into my good, bad, and ugly, and we're going to, mm-hmm. I think, transition away from the Raptors here. Yeah. So good, feel-good story. The Washington Wizards and Spencer Dinwiddie, after being out for almost two years, he's healthy, he's playing well, and he's leading the team, and it's great. It's great to see him back. Uh, oftentimes when there's serious, serious injuries for NBA players, if they're not, at the all-star all NBA level, they kind of come back and, you know, maybe they're a shell of themselves and they're out of the league in two years, but uh, he's back to where he was, which is, which is great to see. And, you know, the wizards are a a relevant, probably playoff team this year, which is, you know, it's nice to see for them. Yeah. I totally think they can make the playoffs this year. Right now they're fourth at 10 and five. There's a lot of season left to play, and they could certainly slide out. I think their defense but, is is for real, which is they're going to win a lot of games if they have a good defense. Yeah, I I think they're a solid team. They seem a bit Pacers esque from previous seasons in that they're deep, pretty well rounded team. But are they really going to like beat you? Oh, they're with- not. A- star talent. Like- they're not a threat in the playoffs, but it's yeah. just nice to see them being sort of competitive but also like playing team ball you know they made the plans and, the, and eventually the playoffs with russ but you know that was a big yeah. team yeah i just the east is really deep this year and so i'm i feel like they might end up sliding into the play-ins uh eventually but so far good but start. E- even that is a good season for this team so yeah yeah, yeah. no there's no shame in that yeah uh bad yeah what's bad. your bad aaron houston everything in houston isn't this uh, now, exactly so, what they want? All right, let's so it's intentional. Your, your argument, yeah, it's intentional. Like they want to be bad, but they are beyond belief in their bad. They have the worst <laughs> offense in the NBA. Christian Wood is leading the team. If you want to hazard a guess at how many points per game he's getting, I have honestly no clue. I'm going to say 17. 16 points per game is leading the team. <laughs> the next two guys are at 13 points per game. That's Jalen Green and Kevin Porter. They're both shooting less than 36% from the floor. Oh my God. And less than 30% from three. That like is team legitimately terrible. It's horrific. They're, they're taking all the right shots. They're just terrible at them. Like they're getting to the rim. They're taking lots of three pointers. They just can't make anything because they're awful. I feel bad for the vets on this team. That's Eric Gordon, Daniel house and, and Daniel Tice. Uh, I feel like when I think they have one win so far, it's just it's just Can an I, absolute disgrace. I just looked up a Houston Rockets on off stats. Yeah. Jalen Green, yeah. second most minutes on the team. 
per 100 possessions, minus 34.9 points. I've never seen a number that low. Yeah, that he, is he's, yes, it's remarkably bad. bad. Yeah. Christian Wood is at, like, even. He's dead even, zero differential. Yeah. But Jalen Green, minus 34.9. That is incredible. So, uh, yeah. I know the over-under on this team, I think, at the when when it was launched in the preseason was 27.5 and they're one in 14 right now and it's just it looks absolutely hopeless there in turn mm-hmm. like mind you it's in it's intentional but i don't think any team that's tanking wants to be this bad right yeah like you're looking at this being like wow like are any like jalen green whatever right he's he's a rookie primary ball guy it's going to be bad but you look at Kevin Porter, you're like, is this is this a real player that you want to build around? But then yeah. it's also just hard to evaluate any of your other young guys because everything's just so broken that yeah, it's hard to well, it's hard to see if they're going to be a good role player or not. <laughs> yeah, and your two primary ball handlers in Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are score first guys, and so I feel like it seems like hard they're to... also score last guys. <laughs> <laughs> like they're they're. Their NBA identity is score first. They're not mm-hmm. there yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jalen Green is certainly struggling a little bit more than I anticipated. Uh, I thought he was going to have a solid rookie season, but doesn't look like he's quite ready yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was certainly on the Houston going to be bad this year, like one of the worst teams. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're clearly I didn't think it would team. be this bad. Um, but it's, again, this bad is kind of good in the long run because secure those lottery odds uh, yep. first overall pick would be very helpful for them yeah but all right what's your what's your ugly Aaron? ugly is the new orleans pelicans they are just the second team, worst eh? team in the league preseason expectations for make the play in you know maybe make the playoffs if everything goes right zion is still weeks away from returning and pounds away from being an NBA shape <laughs> and a lot of pounds away, which yeah, right. We're not going to make jokes about that, but yeah, he is not in game shape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's ugly there because I think, I think people are going to lose their jobs because, you know, yes. this is, I think the the third season of David Griffin in mm-hmm. new Orleans and, they have instead of sort of doing a a slight rebuild to you know refit the roster you know replace the vets on the team and get new good ones and you know find young talent to surround zion this roster is just brutal and mind you ingram has been hurt a bit but you know no team that's trying to win games with that that made some offseason moves where they tried to get vets they have you know, jonas valanchunas they got Devonte graham right like it's not like they're the houston rockets where they're just tanking around zion and getting all these picks around him it's it's they're surrounding him with vets and they're they're just horrible and I think I think David Griffin is going to lose his job sooner rather than later which then you know then you have a new GM and president coming in which means none of these other guys are safe right so I yeah think it's just it's ugly in New Orleans and I, I don't really it's also tough to make an argument to Zion to to stick around right well <laughs> when when this is the situation like these are the players that are around him there's so much turmoil it'll be you know if Willie Green doesn't last right because if there's a new front office that, that's no guarantees the coach is going to stay right then it'll, then it'll be his like fourth coach or four years and 
constant yeah. you know, roster churn. It's just, I don't know. I, I feel bad for pretty much everyone involved here, except for David Griffin, because this is his uh, this is. <laughs> This is his baby. This is what he created. He created this monstrosity. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly feels like their identity versus results are very much not in sync. And I don't even like JV has been good for them. I miss JV. I would love to have him back on the Raptors. Mm -hmm. Devontae Graham, I think has been fine. Josh Hart is another solid vet. And Brandon Ingram is is a solid player. But pretty much none of their draft picks have panned out like Jackson Hayes doesn't look like a good player or that he will be a good player really at any point in his career. Like Kira Lewis jr. Their lottery pick from two years ago now just yeah. hasn't really come along. Same with like, Nikhil Anders, Alexander Walker. Yeah. yeah. Like just none of them have really shined at all. And so Without their development, like they're relying on these guys to be rotation players. And when part of your rotation is just really bad, like we see that with the Raptors and their bench play, it's tough to win a lot of games when your starters are so-so and then your bench comes on and they're not getting you any. They're just like the the leads get bigger for the other team. It's this. Yeah, I totally agree with you. This team is broken and it's going to be ugly and a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. But just burn this franchise to the ground, to be honest, and start over in Vancouver or Seattle. Like, yep. I think it's time easy, to move on easy. here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. I've got one more good thing that I just thought of before we move on. My Steph Curry MVP prediction. Looking Definitely a good thing. Pretty yep. good at the moment. Definitely. That was, that was a good one. Early returns are strong. So before we get to our email, I have a surprise segment to, oh, to bring into the pod. It's called the Trigger Ben segment. <laughs> okay, so all right, I'm going to try. Right. I'm going to try to tilt you. All Already right. triggered by the title of the segment, so <laughs> off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. So I have a bunch of these planned out already. So this is going to be a recurring bit. <laughs> okay. All right. The whole point is to just piss you off. <laughs> okay. So, I'm I'm gonna get get to my point in a roundabout way here. All right, okay, I want to talk about it. rookie of the years, mm-hmm. especially rookie of the years that that can't that can't shoot. I'm gonna go through some names here: Ben Simmons, rookie of the year. Okay, Andrew Wiggins, rookie of the year. Okay. Michael Carter Williams, rookie of the year, fringe NBA player, mm-hmm. very very fringe. Tyreek Evans. Out of the league. Mm-hmm. You know who is leading the rookie of the year uh, ballots right now? It's Scotty Barnes. <laughs> also can't shoot. All right. Is there is there a scenario in which the Raptors can get ahead of that and and maximize on the Scotty Barnes him. value? If you say and, trade Scotty right now, I'm gonna slap and, you through the screen. And trade Scotty Barnes. Oh my god. All right. This is a good name for this segment. Yes. <laughs> this is triggering me. Okay. First of all, Evan Mobley is gonna win rookie of the year. I don't think Scotty is gonna. He's not playing. He's hurt you for can't. like two to four weeks. It, it's not a long term thing. Evan Mobley is definitely a better rookie than Scotty right now. But Scotty also can shoot. His mid-range jumper is crisp. 
and he just needs to extend that to the three-point line and we're gucci like i have no concerns about scotty's shooting long term he his jumper is not broken he's gonna be fine he's athletic he's smart like there's just no long-term concerns here and so this take sucks we're not trading scotty i hate everything about this segment already get rid of it boom i'm triggered <laughs> what would we even get for scotty let's 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 play through the scenario like if we if the raptors suddenly start calling around and be like hey guys uh like we're interested in trading scotty barnes what would you give us for him what do you think other gms are gonna be like um what's going on are you guys smoking something there well zion's not gonna resign in new orleans so scotty for zion trade okay <laughs> uh if the pelicans did that that david griffin would get fired <laughs> well it may not be david griffin who does it okay yeah i don't think that's happening so that maybe would be a trade play i would think about trading him for zion but i would need a full medical on zion to see what's going on with his body because that is a yikes and scotty is healthy a player that can play is better than a player that can't can Scotty really play though? Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh. <laughs> the triggering is working. <laughs> All right. Very successful segment there. Um, so before we dive into our email, uh, a note for the podcast. Uh, if you haven't noticed, Gavin hasn't been on the last few episodes. He's taking a step back on this podcast as he has a lot of other flourishing things in his life. Uh, if you didn't know much about Gavin, he is a top, top tier uh, bike polo player. And he's, he's doing a lot of work and trying to get a media operation going in that, trying to get that sport, uh, you know, bring it, bring it to the masses. So we're going to, we miss Gavin, but uh, he did send us an email this week that we can talk about. Uh, anything you want to say there, Ben? Yeah. Gavin is an elite athlete and wish him nothing but the best in his bike polo adventures. And yeah, he's still, we still talk to him all the time and he sends, he does send a lot of things that trigger me, um, in our discord that we use to discuss this podcast. And, and he still yeah. might join from time to time when he has, when he's available, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So he just doesn't have the time to do it regularly, but yeah, let's, let's dive into this email from Gavin. Yeah. All right. Every year, due to draft drama and other forces, a couple players are pitted against each other in, in the media to see who will have the better career. These rivalries, even if manufactured, are always fun to keep an eye on. I'm excited, but also nervous to check in on Barnes versus Suggs in three years. Here are some of my favorite rivalries for each pair. Please let me know what, who you think is currently winning and why, and if you have any other favorite rivalries. Lonzo versus De'Aaron Fox. This rivalry comes all the way from the NCAA, but these two players have been constantly compared since the draft class. All right, before we go down to the next one, Lonzo versus De'Aaron Fox. Who's winning that, Aaron? Uh, I think financially, De'Aaron Fox is. He got a much bigger, better contract. But if you look at their basketball situation, I'd much rather be playing in Chicago. And Lonzo is, is continually improved the last few years, and he seems like... You know he he's really coming into his own and and finding his identity and and doing what he what he does really well and is, they're being super successful in large part because of Lonzo, whereas Darren Fox has had an awful start to the year. With all that being said, I think Darren Fox is the more talented player, but uh, 
you know, before the season, it definitely would have been Fox after the season. Don't know. I think I know you're Lonzo stands, so you're going to go Lonzo, but so I'll agree with you that De'Aaron Fox is a bit of a better player, but I think it's kind of close. Yeah. And I think signing that huge contract in Sacramento is actually a negative because he is just buried with that dead franchise. Like the Kings are terrible and Lonzo is on a good team. It's going to be a, I think he's probably going to end up making more money over his career than De'Aaron Fox because of like, he's a much more marketable person. He's got the big baller brand behind him. Although I think they're actually separated, not amicably. Yeah. Um, but he, he's just like a public figure and he's in Chicago. He's going to be in the spotlight. He's going to be in the playoffs. I think over the course of his career, he's going to be a much more well-known name than De'Aaron Fox. And he's going to make a shit ton of money as well. And he's going to be happy because he's not on a dead team. So winner Lonzo ball. Yeah. Yeah, This one was at one point, not close, but, but now is, is close again. So Yeah. It is, I guess, a rivalry. And it was nice that they actually played each other in college because some of these rivalries are, you know, yeah. only NBA rivalries. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox did torch him in college, but yeah, it doesn't really matter. Team game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. The next one, Mikhail Bridges versus Miles Bridges. It's just, a, is this a rivalry or is this just because of their names? Well, right. I think they were, they also drafted one spot apart. So it was kind of like a, it was a choice between, you know, who would, like what what one did you want more right and right. i would have to go with mikhail bridges here he a what mikhail Bra- bridges do you do you he's, know which one is which yeah he's on the phoenix suns he's one of the best three and d players in the league elite potentially all defense guy helped his team make the finals last year yeah mikhail's yeah. Br- mikhail bridges until these are all role ago. player qualities okay until Keep a going. few a few months ago all he could do was dunk uh miles bridges you mean sorry yeah miles bridges all he could do is dunk so i mean mm-hmm. i think this one is clearly mikhail now miles bridges is making a uh you know he's making a big case that he should be a max player and taking on a much bigger offensive role but uh i mean mikhail bridges is is truly elite at what he does so i think that's probably more valuable oh my aaron like i i I can't believe how wrong you are on this miles bridges is turning into a superstar before our eyes him and Lamelo are going to be maybe the best pairing in the nba in a couple years and you're taking (laughs) a glorified role player on the phoenix suns like a, I mean, he has to deal with that ownership situation there, which sucks, and he's stuck there now. But Miles Bridges is just a better player. Like Mikael Bridges can't do the things that Miles Bridges does. Miles Bridges is more athletic. He dunks harder. He's also a great shooter, <laughs> <laughs> and he gets to play with Lamelo. I forgot we were twelve. And dunks harder was <laughs> really important. <laughs> he gets to play with Lamelo, and they just have so much fun. Miles Bridges is going to be a better player three, four years from now. I think he's a better player at this moment currently. Up to this point, I agree with you. Mikhail Bridges has had a better career, but that's just like looking to the past. I'm looking into the future, and I would much rather have Miles Bridges. So I guess we can agree to disagree on this one. Yeah, you are crazy. (laughs) Trying to trigger Uh, me again. 
<laughs> successful yeah last right. one here uh yeah. go ben simmons versus brandon ingram uh a classic who should have been first overall question um he thinks it's pretty safe to say brown who uh i think he's talking about jalen brown who was not in this comparison but uh ben simmons versus brandon ingram who you got <laughs> this is tough can you take ben Simmons, <laughs> ben Simmons is definitely a better player. Brandon Ingram is good, but overpaid. For what he does, he gets paid too much money. He's a solid scorer, but he doesn't really offer a ton. Other than that, he's basically the polar opposite of Ben Simmons, who does everything but score. Just like if Ben Simmons gets back on a basketball court, he's instantly a better player than Brandon Ingram. And so I would take Ben Simmons but he's not playing. And so two years ago, this would have been a, Oh my God, like two young players. They're going to be dominating the league. And now it's, they've stagnated a less a hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Although like neither of them have been busts, which, you know, sometimes our expectations for young players get carried away. They're both going to have good NBA careers, which is, is fine. They're just not going to be top 10 players ever. I don't think. Yeah. Probably not going to make all NBA teams. Yeah. I love that email, something I hadn't thought about before, because uh, I don't really get into, I guess, player rivalries that much, but uh, that was fun. Thank you, Gavin. Yeah, and we'll have to check back in in three years on Scotty Barnes versus Jalen Suggs. I'm pretty confident Scotty's going to win that, but Jalen Suggs is talented. He is legitimately talented. He hasn't had the hottest start, but I think he's going to be a good player as well. I'm not it seems like he can shoot, which... Who oh knows with Scotty? Why do you think Scotty can't shoot? I, I I know you're just trying to trigger me, but he, his jumper is crisp, Aaron. Like he's got a good mid range jumper now. He's taking it all the time. I, I feel I like he's he doing it every game. I don't think he can shoot because it's a it's a great opinion to have. Oh my god! Compared okay. to you, <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, anyways, Gavin finishes off the email with "Keep up the good work on the pod, boys." Thanks, Gavin. We love you, buddy. That's, uh, I think, a great way to wrap. Uh, We'll be back next week with uh, another episode of Raptors Review. Have a good one, everyone. Wait, plug the email. We do this every time. We forget. It's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. Send us an email at raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. All right. Now we can say bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.